I'd like to invite all of the children to come a little closer to where I am this morning. It's so good to have a few extra minutes with you today, and I hope that you've enjoyed the beautiful weather this weekend and gotten some time uh, to play outside. I want to tell you a story. It's a pretend story. One of the ways that Jesus taught his disciples was to tell stories. And sometimes they were pretend stories. He called them parables. But there was always something in the story that helped people learn about God. So I'm going to tell you a pretend story, a parable. Once upon a time, there were two sisters, Amelia and Rose. And they shared a bedroom in their house. And they were very messy. Their room was a big old mess. And so their parents came in on a Saturday morning and said, now girls, we want you to clean your room today. We're going to go outside and work in the yard and we want you to get this room cleaned up. So Amelia and Rose got up and started to clean. And the clock tick tock, tick tock, and an hour went by. And Rose started to look around and she looked out the window and didn't see her parents anywhere. So she decided she didn't want to clean anymore. And she just started playing with some of her toys in her room. Amelia wanted to keep cleaning the room because that's what her parents had told her to do. And they had a little bit of a fuss and argued about it. But finally, Amelia just said, well, I'm going to do what mom and dad told me to do and keep cleaning. And Rose just played around and did nothing. What do you think happened when their parents came back? And they saw Amelia doing what she was supposed to do, and Rose was not doing what she was supposed to do. The parable that Maggie just read that you heard on the video is sort of like that. That there are some people doing what they're supposed to do, and other people not doing what they're supposed to do when they're in this time of waiting. So I think one of the things Jesus wants to teach us is that it's important always, no matter what, to be doing the things we're supposed to do, to do the things he taught us to do, to love other people, to be kind, to be generous, to share, to pray, to read our Bibles, even if we think nobody else in the whole world is watching or will ever know, Jesus wants us to do those things we're supposed to do. Let's pray together. Gracious God, help us to love you so much that we want to pray and we want to do the things that you want us to do. Even if nobody else is watching, even if no one will ever know the things that we do for you. Thank you so much for loving us and help us to love other people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you all so much. I have a confession to make. I'm a little discombobulated this morning. <laughs> I'm having trouble keeping my thoughts straight. It's been a bit of a stressful week. For those of you who have been invested in this election, emotionally or in whatever ways, it's been a long week of waiting for results. 
In a normal election year, people go to the polls on the, second, on the first Tuesday of November, and usually by the time we go to bed on that Tuesday night, a winner has been declared. But not this year. Not with us being in the middle of a pandemic and so many mail-in ballots that needed to be counted and all. You know the story. And it was just an up and down roller coaster all week long as we waited and waited and waited and it was delayed and delayed and delayed. How did you handle the delay? And how do we continue to handle the little bit of uncertainty that remains on how these results will be lived out? I know it's nowhere near as important as what Jesus was talking about in this parable of the ten bridesmaids. But I couldn't help but feel a connection between, between what we were all experiencing in our waiting and in the delay and what these bridesmaids in this parable were experiencing. Now, to be sure, what Jesus is talking about in this parable has eternal consequences. Our election results are just related to this little blip of time in our lifetimes. Important to us, yes, but in the grand scheme of things, nothing compared to God's cosmic purposes and truth that Jesus is talking about. What Jesus is talking about in this parable is the second coming, the return of Christ, the resolution of all things, the, the redemption of the world and all of creation through God's final ultimate purposes. He's been talking with his disciples in the chapter before this one about his impending death and his resurrection. And then he lays out before them what it will be like at the end of the age when he returns. And then he begins to offer these parables in the 25th chapter to teach these disciples, to teach all Christians how to live in the in-between time as we wait. Because you see, these first century Christians were beginning to experience a longer and longer delay. And as Matthew began to put his gospel together, he, he took these parables of Jesus and put them together in order to send a word to the church. These early Christians thought that Jesus was going to come back any day. There was an urgency and an excitement and a commitment to living out the teachings of Jesus because it could all be resolved tomorrow. The end of the Roman Empire, the end of the world as we know it, and we need to be ready and doing what God calls us to do. But then those first generation of Christians began to die off. And Christ hadn't returned yet. And there was a delay and a delay and a delay and some Christians began to lose faith and turn away from Christ. Others began to give in to temptations and, and allow the concerns and the pleasures of this world to distract them from their life in Christ. And so Matthew collected these parables of Jesus as a word of urgency, of reminding the church who it is that we're waiting for and what we need to be doing in the meantime. So the first parable we will consider is the parable of the ten bridesmaids. For the next three weeks, this week and the two weeks after, we're going to be digging into these parables in chapter 25 that are speaking to this same question. How do we live in the meantime? 
between the life and teachings, death and resurrection of Christ, and the final redemption of all creation for which we are yearning and groaning. So these bridesmaids, we don't know a lot about first century weddings, except that perhaps these bridesmaids had a particular role to play. They were the ones who went out and waited for the arrival of the bridegroom. And whenever he arrived, it was their job to light their lamps and have a parade and go down the street and start the party and escort the bridegroom to the wedding feast. So in the parable, there are 10 bridesmaids and they've got their lamps. They're all ready. But the bridegroom, for some reason that's not explained, is delayed. And so they all fall asleep. There's no judgment on that. They all just fall asleep. But then the bridegroom shows up at a very late hour. And that's when we see the difference. There are five wise bridesmaids and five foolish bridesmaids. The wise bridesmaids have brought extra oil so that no matter when the bridegroom showed up, they'd be ready to light their lamps and escort him to the wedding feast. The foolish bridesmaids brought only enough oil for their own timeline. They were only prepared for what their expectations were. And so when the bridegroom shows up and they all start to get their lamps ready, the wise ones have theirs lit because they have extra oil, but the foolish ones have no oil. Clearly, in this parable, we're supposed to identify with the wise bridesmaids. We're supposed to, to see what it is about them that we can learn. How can we be more like them? And yet, I have to be honest, there's something about these wise bridesmaids that bothers me a little bit. Here they are with their friends who don't have any oil. And their friends turn to them and say, we don't have any oil. Please help us share some of your oil with us so we can all have oil and make it to the feast. And the wise bridesmaids refuse. They won't share. They say, if we give our oil to you, there won't be enough for us. I mean, that seems to me a little bit selfish. Doesn't Jesus say to do unto others as you would have them do unto you? Aren't we called as the followers of Christ to, to share what we have and to be generous? It's a tough question that this parable doesn't really answer. But the best answer I can come up with, and maybe you've come up with another one, but the best one I can come up with is that the oil represents something that cannot be shared. As much as these wise bridesmaids might want to share it, Perhaps they can't. Maybe the oil represents something that, that we have to do for ourselves. I thought about this yesterday. David and I were getting ready to have some lunch and he got a phone call that his aunt was in the hospital in Murfreesboro and was probably not gonna make it through the day. And so he wanted to get to Murfreesboro as quickly as he could. And so I was fixing our lunch and the thought occurred to me, I wish I could just eat his lunch for him so he could go ahead and get on the road. But I couldn't do that. 
I could eat all the food I wanted to, but there was no way that that was going to help him. And maybe the same is true for some of our spiritual practices and our spiritual lives. Each one of us has to nourish our own relationship with God. Each one of us is called to keep a supply of oil, a well that we return to of prayer and giving and generosity and compassion. Each one of us has to do what we can to live into Jesus' commandments. As we heard a couple of weeks ago, to to grow more deeply in love with God and with neighbor. To live that life that Jesus laid out in the Sermon on the Mount, three chapters early on in Matthew's Gospel to do all that we can to grow into being more merciful, to being peacemakers, to loving not only our neighbors and ourselves, but our enemies, to go inside our rooms and pray in private, no matter if anybody's watching or anybody knows, to give alms to the poor, to care for the sick and the lowly. And it's not just something we do once. It's a life that we build like the wise man who built his house on a rock. It's one thing to be merciful once or to make peace in one situation, but to be merciful for a lifetime, to build a life of peacemaking takes a lot of prayer and a lot of oil in our lamps. So Jesus is telling his followers in this parable, keep oil in your lamps, continue doing all of the things I have taught you to do, continue living the life I have called you into because you never know when you are going to need to shine that light brightly in the world. One of the things this parable reminds us of is where our hope really lies. In the 21st century, sometimes we we lose sight, or at least I know I do. I lose sight of this vision of the second coming of Christ, or this vision of the, the final redemption of all of the world. But our scriptures remind us that we are people who are waiting for that day The prophets tell us we're waiting for that day when justice shall roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. We're waiting for that day when the wolf shall lie down with the lamb and a little child shall lead them. We're waiting for that day when every tear shall be dry and there will be no more mourning and no more crying on God's holy mountain. We're waiting for that day when there is no more poverty, no more injustice, no more exclusion, no more hatred, no more mistrust. This parable reminds us that day is coming. And our job is to keep oil in our lamps so we're ready and preparing and helping to usher it in. And like those five wise bridesmaids, we don't have to be anxious. We can rest even as we wait because we know that we are ready 
and we know the one who is coming is love. Amen.